Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Rockets over Gaza. Rockets over Gaza as the Israeli Defense Forces expand operations. And uh, this thing is heating up very, very quickly. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. It is Friday. We made it through the week, so that's good. We uh, it's been it's been a week, that's for sure. It's been a good week for Mike Johnson. He sat down with Sean Hannity last night in Fox News and came across incredibly likable. Uh, had a lot to say, and uh, I didn't know he's a fellow adoptive father, so I like him even more now that I know that he's adopted uh, children. I think that's great. So we'll uh, we'll break all that down for you. Had some great guests coming up on the show later as well. We'll check in with Victoria Coates about all the craziness in the Middle East. Are we headed to war? Uh, what's going on? And then how does all that impact with Ukraine and that, that theater over there? We'll talk to Professor Wilfred Riley, the latest in Woke, and there's a lot of it that's out there today, as you can imagine. And uh, the economy, you know, the Biden administration is claiming great GDP growth. It's not great GDP growth. It's not. And yesterday I got some some snarky email from some guy saying that I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to gas prices. So we'll also talk to Daniel Turner later in the show today so that we can find out the truth about gas prices and how all of this is affecting us around the world. Biden's war on energy, the international conflict that's going on, all of these things. We'll talk about Yes, all of it. But let's begin with something that's not not related to war, shall we? Let's let's. Well, it's sort of war. It's it's the war here at home in the United States of America being waged on us by our own government. When the Justice Department spied on Congress, from the Wall Street Journal, officials snooped on staffers investigating the Justice Department press leaks and investigations. You know the uh, Crossfire Hurricane which was an absolute fiasco. That was the the phony Russia collusion investigation where they spent so much time going after Trump for being a Russian asset, Russian agent, Russian intelligence officer, Putin's puppet, a guy who peed on beds, and it was all nonsense. The whole thing was nonsense. You know that and I know that. And it cost the taxpayers a lot of money. And what we found out in the report that came out, Operation Crossfire Hur- Hurricane was a joke from the start. They never actually had a, a, a real motive here. They knew they didn't. They knew it was a Fugazi, and they pursued it anyway. And they pursued it 
purely for political reasons. And that was to stop Donald Trump from becoming president and then to destroy his presidency once he became the president of the United States of America to bring him down. And we got a lot out of the report that came out about this, a lot out of it, and how the FBI knew there was nothing there, and they decided, ah, let's pursue it anyway. The CIA knew there was nothing there, let's pursue it anyway. Why not? And what we have also found out recently in this fiasco that keeps on giving, the latest revelations of abuse of power. The United States Department of Justice, they, they've been going after you, they've been going after me, they've been going after all of us, saying that we are domestic violent extremists. You know, you moms in yoga pants at school board meetings, you dads praying outside of pro-life, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, abortion clinics, you are terrorists. You people praying in Latin at mass in, in church, you're, you're potential terrorists here. And they've also, of course, been taking down your posts and they've been monitoring you on social media and saying that if you had a Betsy Ross flag or a don't tread on me flag or you said the words 1776, which was actually a movie and a play. But if you said those things, you were probably a domestic terrorist as well. And so all of these things, all of these things, the government has been waging a war against its own people. In the United States of America. And we created the House Select Subcommittee on the investigation on the weaponization of government. And we're just beginning now to peel back the layers of this thing. And it's bad. It's really bad. Well, the latest now is that the Justice Department actually went even a step further. It's one thing to spy on its own citizens, but then it also spied on members of Congress and their staff. Not the first time they've done this, though. Got to remember something. John Brennan who, in my opinion, should be in prison. John Brennan, this guy, when he was the head of the CIA, they broke into a skiff, the Senate skiff, investigating the enhanced interrogation slash terrorism uh, slash torture report. And they broke into the skiff and they stole all the information from the Senate bipartisan committee headed by, at the time, the late Dianne Feinstein. So these guys, and, and, and Brennan's the same guy, him and his buddy Clapper, you know, they're always on, they should both be in prison. They really should for lying to Congress and, and, and just destroying the Constitution. But they're always on TV. They hate Trump. They were signatories to the letter saying the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. These are bad guys. These are bad, 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 bad guys. So this goes back a long time. Operation Crossfire Hurricane, another great example of this, where the government said, let's stop this guy, Donald Trump, from becoming president. Let's let's bring down his presidency, because all we got to do is say the words Russia, and that'll convince enough Republicans. Well, we can't have a guy in there who got in there because of our of our worst, 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 meanest, awfulest, awful, awful, awful enemy, Russia. And he wants to make nice with Putin. Even though at the same time he lectures countries around the world like Germany and Angela Merkel. Hey, stop with your climate change nonsense because all you're doing is empowering Putin. But they figured, hey, we say Russia, that'll make these these neocons jump up and down and scream and, and they'll join with Democrats and they'll remove Trump. Grind his presidency to a halt. That was the absolute purpose and function of Operation Crossfire Hurricane. Staffers and members of the House Intelligence Committee, who over the past two years said they were notified by Google or Apple that the United States Department of Justice seized their data. By the Wall Street Journal's count, executive branch prosecutors have now been caught fishing through the records of more than a dozen employees of the congressional branch. Now the Department of General's Inspector General is probing the matter. Oh, great. I'm sure things will come out of that. 
Last week, Google notified Jason Foster, who is Senator Chuck Grassley's former chief investigative counsel on the Judiciary Committee, that the Department of Justice sought and received his personal records. Imagine this now. Grassley's been the guy who's been all over exposing Biden's corruption. Grassley was the one who also exposed the fact that we've had dozens of whistleblowers come forward. And uh, the explosive story that broke yesterday, Chuck Grassley has been all over Biden's corruption on the Senate side. He's been doing a great job. You remember that story I brought to you yesterday. It was that the FBI received criminal information from over 40, 40 confidential sources around the Bidens. But, of course, they did nothing with it. They, they tried to bury it. And they tried to bury it in the Hunter Biden plea deal, which, what's my rule? You don't say it's a sweetheart deal because it's not a sweetheart deal. It was a deal designed to protect the president of the United States of America and to keep his corruption secret. It's exactly why the FBI did what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop. They knew it was real. They knew that was on what was on there would bring down Biden. But they so hated Trump. That they 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 lied and they convinced big tech and corporate media, which isn't hard to do because they hated Trump as well, to bring this man down because they said the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. And then they start spying on members of Congress. So imagine this. You're you're Senator Chuck Grassley. You're just trying to do your job here. And your senior investigative counsel, chief investigative counsel on the Judiciary Committee, the United States Department of Justice, is spying on this guy spying on this guy what have i i've also told you long before dinesh d'souza made his movie police state which i'm excited to see i have been calling this government a police state i've been saying we live in a police state for i don't know what 10 years 10 years probably and i've always said the definition of a police state is not cops on horseback it's not using uh, tasers it's not using tear gas those are methods those are those are police methods no no what a police state is is when the government uses its federal law enforcement powers for politics to go after its enemies and to help its friends to use its law enforcement powers to protect the people that it wants protected and to go after the people that they want to stop that's exactly what we have in the united states of america and it just got so much worse ever since donald trump walked down that escalator not because of him because they tried to stop him and they their powers just expanded and expanded like Wonder Twin Powers activate form of a, a, a deep state so hell-bent on stopping the president, they didn't care where they stopped. And then there was a subsequent Freedom of Information Act. We call those FOIAs. And the, the subsequent Freedom of Information Act request to the Department of Justice, Jason Foster, this guy, the, chief, the former chief investigative counsel on the Judiciary Committee, has his nonprofit. It's called Empower Oversight. And he lays out the scope of the Justice Department spying on him personally. The FOIA letter to justice says Google received a federal subpoena on September 12, 2017 for records related to a foster family telephone number, as well as other accounts that are redacted, but that Empower Oversight believes belong to other congressional staffers. For each of the listed telephone email accounts, The subpoena compelled Google to release customer or subscriber information, as well as subscribers' names, addresses, local and long-distance telephone connection records, text message logs, records of session times and durations, length of service and types of service utilized during the period from December 1st, 2016 to May 1st, 2017. 
and they wanted to know Mr. Foster's sources and methods. What happened on December 1st, 2016? Well, President-elect Donald Trump was getting ready to transition into the presidency. And they thought maybe they had one last crack at stopping the guy. Remember there was that effort right before the inauguration, they thought that maybe they could stop him? Well, the Democrats tried, led by people like Hakeem Jeffries and Jamie Raskin, you know, the heroes of the left, the heroes who are always screaming about election denialism. They tried to get the House to stop the certification of Donald Trump's election. They tried to get the United States Congress to stop the certification of the Electoral College. That's okay. You're allowed to do that if you're Democrats. It's okay. And you're allowed. It's encouraged. And you're walking free today. Of course, if you do it and you're a Republican, then you are an election denier. You, you're trying to bring down the United States. You've committed an atrocity worse than Pearl Harbor. And uh, you, you deserve to go to federal prison. But, hey, I mean, what's the big deal, right? Why should everybody be treated the same under the law? Stop it. Stop it, you silly goose. What would you think? This is the United States of America and we have equal justice? Please. That's why that knucklehead member of Congress, Jamal Bowman, is getting charged with a slap on the wrist misdemeanor in D.C. that he pled guilty to for pulling the fire alarm. When you and I both know that was absolutely done to obstruct congressional proceedings. Meanwhile, hundreds and hundreds of your fellow Americans are either in federal prison or awaiting federal prison because of the events related to the left's high holy day of January 6th, 2021. And what are their charges, among others? Trying to obstruct a congressional proceeding. They just weren't smart enough to pull the fire alarm. Hey, listen, they can do it over again, right? So think about what was happening back in 2017. At the time of 2017, the Washington Post reported on a wiretap phone call between incoming Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. An egregious leak of classified information. They, they went after Flynn. They would ultimately go after Flynn for this as well. And everybody said, and I, I, I've been saying this for years, Michael Flynn's the incoming national security advisor. He has a right to know what's going on. There was a movie they made about John F. Kennedy years and years ago. I forget. I think Martin Sheen played him, if I'm thinking of the right movie. There's been a lot of movies made about JFK, obviously. But there's a scene where right after he's elected president, not sworn in yet, the CIA comes to him and briefs him on the Bay of Pigs invasion. So, you know, the, the idea is that when you're coming into office, you have to know things. You don't just, on January 21st, walk in and go, all right, so where, where where's the light switches? They're supposed to bring you up to speed. But in Flynn's case, they tried to go after him and charge him and put him in federal prison for it. Now, this, uh, this wiretap phone call was an egregious leak of classified information between the president's incoming national security advisor and the ambassador to Russia. The Senate Judiciary Committee sought answers from the Department of Justice about the Flynn probe and the leak. This is all back in 2016-2017. Of course, the Department of Justice provided few answers to Congress, though in an effort to justify its snooping, it revealed that it had also had a surveillance warrant against former Trump aide Carter Page. Details of that classified page warrant soon leaked to the press via stories that sought to bolster the FBI's narrative of Trump-Russia collusion. At the time, the Department of Justice was essentially run by career officials after then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions recused himself from Trump-Russia questions, while former FBI Director James Comey would eventually be fired that May. The question the Wall Street Journal editorial board asks, and it's a very good one, is this. 
Was the Department of Justice conducting an investigation into the Flynn and Page classified leaks? Were they trying to figure out who, who, was, who, was, uh, who was doing all these leaks? No, of course not. The subpoena's dates for Mr. Foster's records, he's the chief investigative guy for Grassley, match up. But then why subpoena Congress? Only executive branch officials would have had the details of the Flynn conversation. As the Freedom of Information Act letter notes, the subpoena raises the question of whether the Department of Justice also subpoenaed the personal phone and email records of every executive branch official who had access to the same information. If not, then the entire exercise looks more like a pretext to gather intelligence on those conducting oversight of the Department of Justice rather than a legitimate classified leak inquiry. And that's what it was. It was a pretext to gather intelligence on those conducting oversight of the Department of Justice. Now, under the Constitution, we have three separate but equal branches of government. Obviously, we have the executive branch of government, which nowadays is by far the most powerful. And Congress is supposed to have a check on the executive through various different ways and methods. But the executive doesn't like that, so the executive branch said, well, let's go spy on Congress and make sure we know what they know. The subpoena sought a family phone number, one that Empower, the, uh, Empower is the nonprofit. Notes was actually used by Foster's wife. Again, Foster is the guy who was the chief investigative, investigative officer for Chuck Grassi and the Senate Judiciary Committee. So they sought a family phone number, the feds did, and it was used by his wife who never communicated with the media on that phone or any other. Mr. Foster was an attorney advising a congressional committee conducting oversight. The subpoenas by the Department of Justice ignored attorney-client privilege, the Constitution's speech or debate clause that protects members in their official duties, and, of course, the separation of powers. And you and I both know this was not done to figure out who the leak was. They knew who the leak was. They were the leak. This was done as an excuse, much like how they use Russia collusion as an excuse to spy on Carter Page and George Papadopoulos and ultimately the Trump campaign. They just use the pretext of this and they can use any pretext they want nowadays. Oh, were you traveling? Did you go to did you go to Europe? Hmm? Did you meet some friends? Well, maybe we should spy on you and just make sure you don't, you know, not talking to bad guys. All of this is further evidence of how officials at the Department of Justice lost their bearings over Donald Trump and in the process exceeded their authority. Congress deserves a full explanation of who authorized these subpoenas, why they were issued, and what protections will guarantee it won't happen again. Well, it's going to happen again as long as the deep state continues to flourish in the manner in which it's flourishing. That's why... They are working diligently to stop Donald Trump from becoming president again. They're terrified of him becoming president because all of this will come out. All of this will be exposed if Donald Trump becomes president of the United States again. So they are doing everything in their power to try to stop him. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We'll be right back. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Yes, it is. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. If you'd like to weigh in today to everything we are discussing on the show. Busy, busy day. Obviously, the the the, the drums of war are beating. That's for sure. They are beating, and they are beating very, very loudly right now in the Middle East. Uh, where do we go from here? Where does all this go? I, I, I mean, it's anybody's ballgame, anybody's guess. I did see Stephen Miller, who worked in the Trump administration, he put out a tweet earlier today, and I think there's a lot to to this point that he's making, which is the United States is currently funding virtually every side of every conflict in the Middle East. And the question, of course, is what are we doing in Syria? And we're in Syria now. I don't know if you knew that. We've been in Syria. I don't know if you're even aware of that. But I, a lot of people said, wait a second, I thought we got out of Syria. What what What's going on here? So... All of this is happening in the world, and people are getting very nervous that we're going to be dragged into World War III here. Very nervous. And this is where you get into the whole issue of, you know, I, I, I know everybody, this is, it gets controversial among Republicans on these matters. But the one thing to keep in mind here is that if Joe Biden's a wartime president, it helps him. It helps. So just keep that in mind. It helps him in a big, big way. Now, I don't think Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. That's regardless. But think of the disaster of this administration, four years, and here we are. Not even four, three years, and here we are. And the precipice of potentially now maybe three theaters of conflict for World War III. Here is uh, the Pentagon spokesperson. This is uh, Brigadier General Pat Ryder on MSNBC. And we don't want conflict with Iran. We want to try to uh, we want to try to rein this in. It's what we'd like to do. We'd like to rein this in. I I want to believe him. I hope that he's right. I hope that they really do want to rein this in. Of course, you have a lot of people in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party screaming, "We need to do more." And the only question is, well, then where does it end? How far do we go? And and do we is we go all in? Is this World War Three? Like, what are we looking at here? Uh, here's Brigadier General Ryder, cut number one. The defense secretary called these self-defense strikes. 
Why this response now? And do you think they'll serve as an effective deterrent against further attacks? Yeah, first of all, thanks very much for having me. And as you highlight, these are self-defense strikes. We have U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria for one reason and one reason only, and that's to support the ongoing mission to defeat ISIS. Our, our forces are in Iraq at the invitation of the government Iraq to assist their security forces on that important mission. And so, as we've said from the very start, we will maintain the inherent right of self-defense and we will take all necessary measures to protect our forces and our interests overseas. And so these strikes were very uh, surgical, very targeted to send a clear message that we will protect our forces. It's also important to understand we do not want a conflict with Iran. We do not seek to widen this. Uh, and so hopefully they get that message loud and clear uh, and they will cease these attacks against our forces in Iraq and Syria. So the defense secretary says Iran is behind these attacks. You believe that that's the case, right? So do you think Iran is trying to further entangle the U.S. in the current conflict in the region? Does Iran want the U.S. to be involved in a war? Well, look, you know, to your point, we are very focused on ensuring that the situation with Israel fighting Hamas does not become a wider regional conflict. This is why you've seen us send, send additional assets into the Middle East region to include the USS Ford Carrier Strike Group, the USS Eisenhower Carrier Strike Group, which will go into the U.S. Central Command area of responsibility, because we don't want to see this widen. In terms of these Iraq, uh, Iran-sponsored proxy uh, and militia groups, uh, we've seen this kind of behavior in the past. Uh, they foment and attempt to foment uh, instability in the region. But again, our forces are there for a very specific purpose, and we will not hesitate to take action to protect those forces as they do this important work on the ground in, in both of those countries. Well, <clears throat> a lot of people said, whoa, we're in Syria, and this is about ISIS? I thought we defeated ISIS. I thought that was over. We're spending a lot of money here, over 100 billion dollars 100 billion dollars so are you okay with that and that's the question that's question number one. Second question is where do we go once we're once we're all in on this what's the exit strategy here is it do we just go go all in do we are we pulling back at some point see these are questions this is why congress needs to debate these things this is why congress needs to debate these things Pentagon press secretary on striking these Iran-linked targets, which were minor targets. They weren't anything significant. But they're saying now they hope that Iran gets the message. That's, that's the, the hope here. They hope Iran gets the message. Okay. Cut number two. Cut two, Matt. Right, which you already did. You took action. So what kind of response do you expect from Iran? Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see if uh, Iran gets the message. Uh, but, you know... As we've done in the past, uh, we certainly reserve the right to take uh, additional strikes and, and continue to ensure that the message is loud and clear that we will protect our forces and that these kinds of attacks are unacceptable. I'm not going to telegraph potential actions uh, in the future other than to say, as we demonstrated last night, we will do so at a time and place of our choosing. Meanwhile, the Iranian foreign minister is warning the United States, the United States will not be spared. If war in Gaza continues, this is the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Iran, Hossein Amir Abdullah I may be mispronouncing that. Uh, this is him speaking before the United Nations. Cut number three. I say frankly to the American statesmen 
who are now managing the genocide in Palestine that we do not welcome to expansion of the war in the region. But I warn if the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this fire. So that's fun. And again, that was the uh, Iranian foreign minister of Iran, Hossein Amir Abadouli Dubidi Dubidi Dabadabadu. And I may be mispronouncing that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's possible. Somebody can check the pronunciation of that. Amir Abadabadaba Abadaba Dubidi Dubidi Scoobidi Dubidi. Dubidi Dubidi Dubiously. <laughs> I think you're getting closer. You think I, I feel like I'm 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 right over the target here on this. <laughs> it's my sense. I think I'm right over this. Uh, so where's the speaker on this? Where's the new speaker on on all of this? And and what are we what are we doing? And and where's he on this question? So he sat down last night with Sean Hannity, and in the conversation with Sean Hannity, of course, Sean Hannity proceeds to do what he always does, which is give a monologue before he asks a question. And then proceed to give the answer before the person can actually answer it. This is from, I'm just teasing. Here's Hannity's uh, show last night from, well, this is a clip I texted you before, Matt, when uh, uh, they talk about the issue of Ukraine, for example. Take a listen. I have some criticisms about the issue of Ukraine. Number one, if you're going to fight a war, you should fight it to win it. I thought the president made a horrible mistake by denying MiGs that were offered by Poland. I think the president made a horrible mistake trying to put handcuffs on the Ukrainian army led by Zelensky uh, on the issue of how they will fight and what weapons they can and cannot use like cluster bombs. Um, I don't like the fact that Europe doesn't pay their fair share. So they've got 78 billion. He wants another 61 billion. How will you deal with the issues that he, he wants to tie all of these issues together, which now gets into the budgetary process? How, will you go issue by issue? I told the staff at the White House today that our consensus among House Republicans is that we need to bifurcate those issues. I agree with your assessment in Ukraine, and that's why the American people are demanding some real accountability for the use of those dollars. Now, we can't allow Vladimir Putin to prevail in Ukraine because I don't believe it would stop there, and it would probably encourage and empower China to perhaps make a move on Taiwan. We have these concerns. Um, we're, we're not going to abandon them, but we have a responsibility, a stewardship responsibility over the precious treasure of the American people. And we have to make sure that the White House is providing the people with some accountability for the dollars. And accountability for the dollars. And also, I, I understand this whole point that the speaker makes about stopping Putin before he goes further. But where's Europe in all this? You know, where's Europe in this entire thing? And then and then we then at the same time we got to deal with that, we got to deal with the Middle East. So, I, you know, I was hoping that Mike Johnson was going to be a little bit more of a of a speaker who's going to sit back and say, "Well, you know what? Listen, we're all in here on, on having these conversations, but at the end of the day, this, this is Europe's issue. And this is this is a, a European issue. And now we're tying we're tying Putin to Hamas. We're tying Putin, Hamas, Hezbollah. We're tying Putin, Hamas, Hezbollah, China. This is this is getting pretty heavy here, if you ask me. This is getting pretty heavy. I think a lot of people are realizing that. And this is uh, another cut here. He, he said the House GOP will be finding cuts to fund $14 billion of aid to Israel. Well, I'll give him credit for at least finding cuts for this, but a lot of people are turning around and questioning does again 14 billion is a lot of money here it's a lot of money 
And is that going to be enough? Is there going to be more after that? I mean, is this it? Is it one and done? These are the questions that a lot of us are asking. I'm asking them. Cut seven. We want to be cooperative. We need to work together on this. But we, we owe it to the people to know what the plan is, where the money is going to be spent, and we need some auditing for the dollars that we've already sent over there. These are not tough questions, right? Mm-hmm. Israel is a separate matter. We're going to bring forward a uh, standalone Israel funding measure over $14 billion. Is but it's $14 be- billion enough? That, well, Israel's requested a little less than that, actually. The White House did uh, by way of Israel. And $14.5 billion specifically is what we're looking at. It's a very specific number tied to very specific measures. But here's the important thing that distinguishes House Republicans from the other team. We're going to find pay-fors in the budget. We're not just printing money to send it overseas. We're going to find the cuts elsewhere to do that. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to find cuts to do that. Ukraine is a separate matter from Israel. I understand that point. At least at least he's separating the two issues out, because as I've told you a million times, uh, you cannot keep lumping all these things in together. You need up or down votes. There are a lot of Republicans, quite frankly, I should say conservatives who do not view United States involvement in Ukraine as a great investment. And they want to have an up or down vote on it, because I think that that's where most of the conservative voters are today. And Hannity asked the question, you know, is, is 14 billion going to be enough? I don't know. Great question. Uh, Israel's uh, asked for a little bit less, and we're going to give them more. Is that is anybody else pitching in here? And 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 these this is why there needs to be a separate up or down vote on funding for Israel, a separate up or down vote on funding for Ukraine. You may see members vote no on Ukraine and vote yes on Israel. You may see members vote no on both. You you're definitely going to see members vote yes on both. That's for sure. I'm talking about in the Republican Party. But they need to be carved out. They need to be separate things here. And I don't think you should give anybody a dollar until they're separate. They have to be. These are these are different uh, purposes and causes. We've already given Ukraine, what, $120 billion? There's a lot of people turn around and go, and I don't know if we should be giving them any more money here. Yeah, we we, we all want to see Putin stopped, but then if we're going to, if, if it's such a fear that Putin will then roll into Poland like like Hitler did. Well, then why aren't we doing everything possible to stop him would be the next logical question. Because it doesn't seem like we are. We're just writing checks. If it's that much of a threat to the world, why isn't Europe doing more? Why isn't Europe worried about that? Poland isn't worried about it. You know, they keep saying Poland's next. Poland is out. They're, like, they're, they're good. They're saying, you know, we're, we're good. We don't really buy this. We don't buy this whole argument here. We don't we don't see it as that Putin views this territory as as belonging to Russia. And we don't really see him moving into Europe after that. And if that occurs and this is an important point, and I want to remind the speaker of this, if that occurs, the United States of America is obligated under NATO to do something about it. That's different. That's a treaty. We've signed the, the, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. We're a member of that for the purpose of stopping the Soviet Union slash Russia if that were to occur. But Ukraine is not a NATO member country. So where's Europe in all this? I mean, if this is such a great threat to Europe, then why is it on the United States when we are not in Europe? This is a question I keep asking here. Now, look, I think it's easy to you can hear a lot in what Mike Johnson said here and you could you could assume many things. I think one thing that is important to keep in mind here is that he he knows that he has a lot of Republicans who want to go all in on Ukraine. He knows this. And as of right now, it only takes one person to get him out of the job. My sense of it is he's 
he's saying things that will placate the, the warmongers in the party, let's face it. And then he has the ability then to turn around and say, well, the White House, it, it's not my fault. I can't bring this up for a vote because the White House is not separating these things out. And that's the demand. The demand is up or down vote in Ukraine, up or down vote in Israel. And no funding for, uh, for if you want to do humanitarian aid to Gaza, then that's a whole other vote. That's a whole separate vote there. And then if you do that and you say we demand accountability in the White House, you know, does not come through, does not come, come, come through with everything. Well, then at that point, I got to be honest with you, we got to turn around and we got to say to ourselves, okay, uh, we're not giving anyone a dollar. If you're not going to let us have up or down votes on these things, then nobody gets anything. I think that that's fair. It's fair. I think it's fair to the taxpayers. It's fair to our national security. It's the least we can do is have up or down votes on these matters. Don't you think? It's the least we can do. All right, 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And tell me what you think. I do want to hear from you on this. Are you tired of the funding? Do you think we need more? Are you, are we, do you want us to see us go all in here against Iran? Do you think America, no more war? I mean, what's your, what's your temperature here on all this? I want to hear from you on this. My my point right now in this moment of time at this very, very second is that whatever comes to funding needs to be separate. Do not compile Ukraine and Israel together. That's A. B, I'm fine with showing force so that Iran stays in crazy lane. But you got to realize now there's there's a lot of people in the Democrat Party who are banging the drums of war here because they think it's going to help them. You know, there's nothing like a wartime president. So keep that in mind as well. And the other question, too, is are we forgetting the fact that Israel has the capability to defend itself, which it does? And I'm I'm okay with helping them rebuild the Iron Dome. I'm okay with doing those things as long as it's not part of Ukraine funding. And I'm okay with with doing that if Israel can protect itself. If we're talking, though, about American forces are getting attacked by Iran, the other question I think we need to be asking is why are we still in Iraq? Why are we still in Syria? Didn't didn't all this end? So that's another question. This whole thing is very, very complicated, and I think the commander-in-chief is probably at this very moment in time taking a nap somewhere. Or maybe this weekend he's going down to the beach again. He'll build a sandcastle. Maybe he'll build a big sandcastle, and, you know, he, if he gets flustered, he can kick it, pretend it's Putin's face, and kick the sandcastle. I imagine that will be happening this weekend. But don't forget something. We had four years of peace under Donald Trump when he was president of the United States. Had Hillary Clinton won that election, we would have been in, in World War III. I had no doubts. She, she, like her husband, loved dropping bombs. I have no doubt about it. We probably would have already been at war with Iran. Democrats have proven to be the party of war. And I think one of the things that propelled Trump to the White House was the fact that Donald Trump said, we are not going to have more wars. And these forever wars have to end. And I still think that that is the sentiment of the American people. And I, and, I, and I think people want to help our ally Israel. They want to, but, but they also understand that Israel can protect itself and defend itself. So in some ways, you've got to ask yourself, are we, are we now in a situation where we are, by, by, by virtue of this, extending this two-theater war, just also basically serving up Taiwan on a silver platter to China and saying, hey, you might as well move in because how, how spread thin can we be here? 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Give me your thoughts on all this. We're coming right back. 
1210 your thoughts on all of the issues that we are dealing with today vis-a-vis the war front we'll talk to ej and tony about the economy we'll talk to dr victoria Coates about everything i do want to remind you and thanks to my buddy chris on twitter for this uh sending this to me he said uh and he jokingly said why don't you ever bring this up because i bring it up all the time but as Congressman Justin Amash tweeted out, there's no applicable authorization under U.S. law for U.S. forces to be in Iraq or Syria. Keeping bases and troops there puts Americans at risk and sets the stage for a war that the American people did not and do not approve. Bring them home. It's a great point. Where is the authorization for us to still be in Iraq or Syria? Where is the authorization for this? I think a lot of people were surprised. I know I was to find out that we were our troops were getting hit by Iranians, our troops in Syria. I kind of figured they were probably still in Iraq because I never really believed Joe Biden was actually going to ever end the war on terror. But and look, you got this is going to be a big issue in 2024 because you're going to have a lot of Republicans, Chris Christie, Mike Pence and others who say we need we need troops everywhere. We need bases everywhere. We need all these things there. I don't you know, I, I don't think that's the sentiment of the conservative ideology today i don't think so i think i think we have come back to a place of america first and saying people have to deal with their own problems around the world that doesn't mean you can't help obviously israel is a it's a unique situation because israel is a strategic friend and ally and they're not asking us to fight this war on their behalf benjamin netanyahu is more than capable of doing that israel is more than capable of doing that i understand the point about giving them aid to ensure that they can fight that. I, I understand that that separate debate. But the question becomes, what happens if Iran starts escalating? What happens then? And I don't think anybody's asking that question. And I think that Iran is probably sitting back right now and they're watching this old geezer sleeping on the beach and they're thinking to themselves, you know what? Not for nothing. What the hell are we waiting for? What do we, I, I mean, what, what, what's the deterrent here? What, what, what is the deterrent to keep Iran from doing something? It's not a, a president who believes in peace, peace through strength. This is a president who believes in, I'll just keep writing checks, perpetual checks. I'll just keep writing them. So, uh, and, and, and you have these nutbags in Congress here, these, these nutbags in Congress like uh, Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib. Here's Rashida Tlaib yelling at a reporter. I played this uh, the other day, but it's it's still wor- worth playing. Or maybe this is a different time she yelled at a reporter. Uh, this is new. Yeah, this this is new. Yesterday. Okay. This is Ben Burkwam from Real America's Voice asking Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib to denounce Hamas. Cut four. Congresswoman, will you denounce Hamas? Will you denounce Hamas? Why do you support terrorists? You're dehumanizing Palestinians. No, you're you're supporting no, you're terrorists. No, you're, you're supporting terrorists. You're supporting terrorists. She uh, she won't she won't denounce them. She's never going to denounce them. Understand that. I mean, you know that. I mean, these people are rooting for Hamas. They are. Meanwhile, down the southern border, where we are in the United States of America, where the border is wide open. Smuggling migrants toward the U.S. is a booming business. So under Biden's economy, a lot of things stink right now. But the business of smuggling migrants, oh, that's good. And business is good. Services to help people cross borders in Latin America have thrived on demand. We don't see ourselves as traffickers, they say. Ah, what? They're really not, actually. They're just doing a service. They're guides. They're tour guides. 
They're just giving people tours of the southern border, and then once they get to the southern border, they go, okay, well, bye, and then they go back and get more people. The, the Border Patrol at this point, they're nothing more than, than glorified Walmart greeters because it's all this administration will let them be. So at the very same time, we're talking about $100-plus billion for Ukraine, for Israel, Gaza humanitarian aid. We've got the American naval fleet outside the Mediterranean, the Persian Gulf. At the same time that's happening, our border is wide open. You see, this is when I start to smack my head across my, uh, my desk and I go, what about our own national security here? What about our own national security? They've got people here, services to help people cross the border. And it's, 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 it's a big business. In fact, it's so big it goes beyond Mexico. It's, it's, it's all over Latin America. They literally have trusted guides. So imagine yourself, like you're a tour guide. You, know, you, you, you help people, uh, uh, I don't know, book a trip to the Caribbean or something, an all-inclusive resort. They've got guides there, tour guides, who will help you find your way into the United States of America. And it's all the way even in Colombia. In audio and video clips and social media, this guy, Anderson Geraldo, I don't think he's related to Geraldo Rivera, but you never know, uh, delivered a smooth sales pitch to migrants peddling clandestine trips across open sea or thick jungle like vacation packages. In audio and video clips on social media, he sold himself and his partners as trusted guides to clients who angled to get into the United States. I run this group in charge of all the routes, he said. Everyone knows my work. I do it right. I'm serious, sincere, and very responsible. Colombian prosecutors and special operations police working with U.S. officials recently dismantled the group, arresting 11 people in four cities in Colombia. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that that's, that's uh, very on the up and up. They probably just weren't paying the right people. You know what I'm saying? The right people. All right, we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a big, big show. We're just getting warmed up, and it's Friday, and it's crazy, if you can believe it, what we're talking about here. Uh, where are we headed for World War III? Where's the money for all this going to come from? And just how bad is Biden's economy? What's it going to cost you at the pump? Don't go away. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 